Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast, will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It's the top of the week. We're traveling around the world. Uh, we're going to China. We're going to Argentina. We're also going into the future in a very weird way that may directly affect you. You're not going to look at your forearms the same after you listen to today's show. Uh, let's let's maybe start by going over the Pacific uh, and with a little bit of background here, uh, you know, we talk about video games in this show. Uh, Matt, Noel, uh, Codename Doc, and I all have various games that we enjoy, and sometimes we've even played online together. Uh, but like a lot of people who are older, who are adults, you know, we always have that battle of like, is this a waste of time? Is this good relaxation? At what point does it become an addiction? Because video games you know, I, I think it's common knowledge now. They really can be addictive. Oh, yes. They they are meant 
to do that. Just like social media is meant to send you down a rabbit hole of always having to check your feeds. Before we jump into it, guys, really quickly, can I do one of these fast roll-offs of what's happening today or what happened over the past couple of days? Just it's going to go so fast. You're not even going to believe. Oh, yeah. I'm going to bookend. I'm going to bookend with one of my own, though. I want to see if we got the same stuff. Okay, well, I'll just hit it and then you can finish it if if you got something. Uh, First, something we were reading about. We haven't covered it in full yet. The situation in Afghanistan, the story came out about the CIA clandestinely meeting with the Taliban. That's crazy and definitely something we're talking about. The U.S. is also conducting strikes again, drone strikes in Afghanistan as they're, you know, pulling out and almost completely pulled out. And spoiler alert, there's a lot of collateral damage again. Um, A Category 4 hurricane just hit Louisiana on the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. And this is Hurricane Ida. This is Hurricane Ida. That just happened the day before we're recording this. It's it's August 30th right now. And uh, the DPRK is allegedly ramping up its production again of nuclear materials. Well, it's uh, it's reignited its reactor. Yes. Which is slightly different. But the big question with that, uh, you get the ho- you hit me on the hobby horse. <laughs> I know, I know. The big issue with that, most analysts would say, is that it indicates a move to go back to the negotiating table for further aid. Mm. And that's just based on past patterns, which is what all these folks are trying to guess at. Uh, But for anybody who has seen that in the news, that doesn't mean that bombs are about to fall. That doesn't mean that ICBMs are going to be launched. Uh, I I do want to, I don't know, I never thought I would be in this position. (sighs) But in defense of the CIA, with what you said about Afghanistan, uh, imagine they had to go forward and get get in front of it. They had to announce that meeting happened because what if they didn't announce it and someone found out about it? That's even worse. So they're going to clearly not disclose the substance of the conversation, but it's it's not unusual to be loved by anyone. It's not <laughs> unusual for for the CIA to meet with clandestine powers like that. That's how the company operates. Agreed. I think it was the acting director of the CIA, though. That's correct. Who went in yeah. person, which feels yes. a little out of character for what they would choose to do from a strategy perspective. But hey, who knows? Who knows? Uh, the the ways of the company are mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> if, if I may, I just wanted to add something to the uh, Afghanistan bit. Um, pretty big news a couple of days ago that there was an attack on the airport, you know, where people are trying to evacuate uh, by a group called ISIS-K. And I was not familiar with ISIS-K. Um, and in looking into them, realized they're kind of like almost the even more conservative branch of ISIS. Uh, and they are all you know, obviously more conservative than the Taliban, but they're essentially, you know, rebelling against the Taliban. And it just like I, I'm surprised that I'd never heard of this group before. Ben, do you know anything about ISIS K that you might be able to clue listeners in? Because I think maybe a lot of folks are in the same boat as me. Mm, ISIS, uh, ISIS is maybe understood as a confederation of aligned groups that share the same extremist beliefs. So that's why you'll see it sometimes referred to in the past as ISIL and sometimes as just IS, the Islamic State. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is because these these groups um, 
may have differing like on the ground day-to-day aims, but they agree on the main thing, which is the establishment of what's called a caliphate, right. uh, a theocracy. Um, and this, yeah, and they're, they're not buddy-buddy with the Taliban, honestly, uh, for several different reasons. The Taliban wants international legitimacy. They want to be recognized as a state power. ISIS wants a worldwide caliphate. Right. Those are two very and, different things. And ISIS K stands for Khorasan. The K in, in ISIS uh, is Islamic State Khorasan, which is a region um, that includes Afghanistan, Pakistan, and uh, its surrounding countries. And it's actually made up of militants who have defected from both the Afghan and Pakistani Taliban. So it's definitely like a more uh, extremist and, you know, conservative uh, militant group. So it's just interesting and something to follow because I don't think they. I don't know that they'd made a whole lot of news as being a separate entity with different aims from ISIS proper. Um, so it's something I wanted to mention. Well, I guarantee you the company has been keeping tabs on them. And I would say that that's probably one of the major reasons that the U.S. met with the Taliban. Mm-hmm. Because there is that push for legitimacy, as you said, Ben. And there is a threat, a real credible threat from this group. ISIS-K, and, and those are the targets that the drones were going after, like, hence the drone strike. So Right, and one of them, I believe, was one of their vehicles that was just chock full of explosives, hence the collateral damage. And it's also, like, this, yeah. yeah, these attacks are continuing. It's, it's Monday, August yeah. 30th, as this segment is being recorded, and earlier today, uh, at least 10 civilians, including children, were killed. By U.S. drone strikes. Yes, correct. Correct. Uh, so that's what I was referring to terribly and coldly as the collateral damage that the U.S. continues to rack up uh, with the drones. Important note, by the way, intelligence analysts predicted those airport attacks. And also, uh, I want to thank, while respecting anonymity, I want to thank uh, some of our fellow conspiracy realists, uh, both domestic and abroad, currently serving and uh retired, who also reached out about this uh, with with very valid concerns that it would not make the mainstream news. Luckily, it is at this point, but it was very curious to me to be receiving reports of stuff before, like before it broke in the West, because there's not there's not that much of a delay now. Right. Because the the news can travel so quickly. But um in one bright spot, one much-needed bright spot, uh, we should pay uh, our respects and gratitude to special forces operators who went in under the cover of night and began rescuing the families of Afghan nationals who were interpreters, who were translators, or what would miscellaneously be referred to as fixers, enablers, helpers. Uh, they got them out of a very dangerous situation. I'd also like to go on record condemning Eric Prince. You guys got me started condemning Eric Prince. You know the name. You've heard him. I imagine um, Robert has a good behind the bastards about him. This guy, amid this chaos and this deluge of, of blood and terror and tragedy, this guy was started selling tickets out of, out of Afghanistan for $6,500 a pop. Jeez. Talk about opportunistic scumbags. Yeah, I go back to our episodes on Blackwater and all the iterations of it to learn about that dude. XE, 
Academy, Academy. Yeah. Went back and forth on that. Uh, but yeah, let's jump into the, this other thing. I'm glad we talked about all those things. Just want to bring that up because I think a quick just, hey, this is all happening simultaneously. Oh, uh, and then a tiny, tiny quick addendum. Only fans uh, not, not, not doing porn anymore. <laughs> just leaving. They're <laughs> not, not doing. They're not, Wait. not doing porn anymore. Yeah. They so, must have heard our story uh, and uh, decided to pivot from their pivot. Um, so, yeah, they are. Uh, they are. Staying the course, doing okay. what they're good at, which is uh, empowering porn uh, creators to put porn out there directly to the fans and only freedom, the fans. Freedom of speech. Excellent. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, so let's video ju- came so, so, right. so, yeah, let, let's jump to a story about uh, not reducing freedoms. Yeah. G- government clamping down on what you can do with your day if you're between zero and 18 years old and you live in China, you're a Chinese citizen. We're going to talk about all this and then we're going to wrap it up by just talking about what it would mean if it was happening here in the United States uh, to just give some context and, and a kind of some opinion on this. So reporting out of the guardian, out of Reuters, out of Xinhua, I think is how you say it. The official news reporting services of China. I'm going to jump to the guardian article. I particularly like how they cover it here. Article is titled, China Cuts Amount of Time Minors Can Spend Playing Video Games. Under-18s will be allowed to play online games for one hour on Fridays and on weekends and on holidays. So one hour Friday, one hour Saturday, one hour Sunday, and you get an extra hour if you got a holiday. I'm just going to go through some of this and then we can discuss, guys. China has placed an order to online video gaming companies, those who provide the services, who actually have servers where you connect to them when you're playing, whether it's on a console, on your phone, on your computer, whatever, to reduce the services that they offer to customers. And the whole point of this, at least according to the government and to a kind of question and answer session that was put out through Xinhua, it's calling video gaming or gaming in general and addiction youth video gaming, especially as an addiction. And this one hour, by the way, is between 8 PM and 9 PM. So this tiny little window that young people would be able to play, bro, that's, that's not even enough time to level up once. Well, <laughs> once by design, I mean, I know we're going to go into it, but it can also, it also um, combats the use of mining in games yes, where you have cafes full of people grinding and then selling items. Uh, And it also, there are a lot of people who play MMORPGs. So you want to be able to play with your friends. So it gets everybody into one spot where they can also be more easily observed and surveilled. That's one of the big things. If you're, you know, if you've got tight controls over the ISPs, like, like China has as a, as a governmental a group as an entity, they've got tight controls over the providers of the services. So being able to look at it in that one hour for three days, it would be helpful. But here's the thing. That's not the only time they're going to be looking at the gaming industry. They're going to be watching those ISPs the entire time to regulate and to, to crack down on video gaming services. Again, the, the people providing the servers to make sure they're not letting anybody else play. And they're also trying to crack down on kids using adult accounts in order yeah. to access. Uh, like this is a huge crackdown 
What's the what's the uh, cutoff age, Matt? Eighteen years old. Eighteen years old. You're legally no longer a minor. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, that wasn't sure if it was the same there or not. Um, that's fascinating. So, I mean, I asked you off off air if this is like an an issue of uh, maybe <laughs> seeming to erode the fabric of like Chinese, you know, uh, civilization and hierarchy, and perhaps there's such a problem with kids gaming so much and the things you're talking about, Ben, that maybe people aren't. Uh, rising in the ranks like they should or there's a sense i mean it has to be a bigger picture i mean not to be too callous about it but i can't imagine it's all just we just want our kids to be happy it to me is more of a productivity thing it feels very much like that some of the language that you can read coming out of xinhua really does play to that uh the government authorities are asking the gaming companies to i've got a quote here Quote, always prioritize the social good and actively respond to societal concerns. They're also saying that, that, again, these things are highly addictive and they use phrases like losing hours, like losing uh, the society is losing X hours to video gaming on a daily basis or, or, you know, however else you want to put it. And it's interesting to note that this is just a further step from previous restrictions they had placed on uh, on gaming and younger people. Uh, I believe it was one and a half hours per day. It wasn't specific days during the week. It was just one and a half hours that you were allowed per day to game. And, and, and uh, I think it was like three hours on a holiday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A- any difference for the weekend? The weekend now is the only... No, not previously... Not in 2019. Now, now it will be. Um, it's pretty crazy. They're going after companies like Tencent, uh, after essentially the Amazon of of other countries, Alibaba. They're going after all kinds of companies and third parties to like make this this action actually occur. They also arrested the top League of Legends player once their identity was revealed. Very what? recently, I believe. Under yeah. what uh, charge? He was too good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> too much pwnage. Well, what I heard is he pwned uh, Xi Jinping. Directly. Was, yeah. Direct mm-hmm. pwnage. Can't do that. Can't no, do man. that. No, no. President Xi is not about getting pwned. Um, so how, how do they propose to enforce this without like directly mandating that the gaming companies uh, put in stricter age restrictions or like, or how do they monitor this? I mean, Ben, you make a good point about limiting the hours does streamline the monitoring, but short of just like, you know, uh, egregious uh, privacy <laughs> invasions, how are they going to? go about this well that's it already exists yeah some of those levers the mechanisms already exist the problem is proving that whoever is using the computer at you know 4 p.m is actually or let's say probably like 6 p.m let's say once kids are you know out of school how do you know if a kid is actually using the computer not the adult and just signed in under an adult's account and you know unless you're using facial recognition technology through the phone or through, you know, whatever device is being used to play. And that's where a lot of the doubts come in from, you know, especially from the private companies that are making millions and millions of dollars off of video games and kids playing video games. Guys, there's not really enough time to fully, fully flesh this thing out. As far as our opinions and what we think, we're going to have to take a break here in just a minute. But first of all, I can't imagine what this would have been like if I was trying to play my Super Nintendo and, you know, 
the, the president came down and told me I couldn't or whatever, um, I would be devastated. But at the same time, I'm thinking about how much time I really do. Uh, I don't want to say waste, just how much time I invest in virtual worlds. And we've talked about that before on this show. All of us do it to one extent or another. And uh, I'm wondering if my life would be better if I was doing something else or if I would be lacking something because Mm -hmm. I didn't learn these stories and live through these characters. I don't know. Yeah, don't stigmatize. I mean, what's the difference between reading a book, right? Well, exactly. And also, like, I mean, shouldn't that be your choice to, to discipline yourself and make that change? Do you really need the long arm of government to, like, you know, slap you on the wrist when it's time to get off the PlayStation? I was just saying maybe I do need a long arm to be, like, to smack me across the face a little bit and say, hey, let's write some more music. <laughs> turn but, off, turn off well, the video game. That's that's fair. But to your point, Matt, I mean, if something like this did happen in the United States, people would absolutely lose their shit. Sure. I mean, it's just not, you know, I mean, we can't even get rid of guns or clamp down on gun laws when, like, people are literally murdering children in schools. Or you opium. Know? Just right. point that out. Right. Uh, the, yeah, this is really interesting. Maybe worth a full episode because... These measures uh, seem draconian and a lot of the language, if you go, like if you read Sinwa's English version, you're not going to get the exact same version that is propagated in the domestic audience. And first, yeah, the internet in China is locked down. There are people who are in the PRC who are listening to us right now through a VPN right or through some other some other way to circumvent uh whether it's surveillance or whether it's just plain old access and this is because um i don't know if people know this i think we talked about this in a previous episode how tight is the surveillance in china i don't know if this is still the case but there used to be in internet cafes there used to be these little cartoon police officers that would pop up on screen every so often just to let you know that they were keeping an eye on you for your safety. And weirdly enough, their eyes were blue, which always mystified one of oh. my old professors, a Chinese national. That's interesting. Is, do you think that's to other them in some way? No, I don't understand. Like, that's no weird. idea. What an odd choice. Hmm. Doom hmm. reference? I don't know. But, but the, uh, the, the issue here is that um, the way it's being phrased is that they are not just going after a big industry, but they're they're portraying video game manufacturers as predatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, over 60% of children under 18 are playing some sort of game. Uh, there are people who essentially live in internet cafes, which I think we'll get to if we do a full episode on this. Um, the question is, how do you combat that? How do you incentivize people? And what would you rather have them do? Um, uh, anything outside, just get outside kids, but don't go to Tiananmen, right? Well, just, you can go to Tiananmen, just, you know, don't think about it. <laughs> I, I did, did want to say, I, and you, you might know this more than, more than me, Matt. Um, I don't really think of China as big in the game development industry as say Japan. Is that accurate? I'm looking, I'm looking up video game developers in china and i'm definitely seeing plenty of course but none no none of them are big names that i've heard of well they have a huge domestic market well sure they have a market i mean in terms of like is capcom chinese or is that japanese japanese yeah i think it's japanese 
Well, when you say domestic market, you mean like, you know, in terms of customers, but like, I don't really see nearly as much like game development. Like I want to say Tencent is one of the biggest ones. Maybe I'm wrong. Yes. No, I think you're correct. Mm -hmm. Also the, uh, well, what I mean when I say domestic market is you don't necessarily need to sell a game internationally. You can, you can do pretty well with just that, you know, potential over 1.3 billion people population. Oh, totally. I'm just wondering if like, I don't see this happening in Japan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause it's such a big part. If they, they would be like demonizing one of their own, you know, very important exports and industries and something that's like cultural. Whereas in China, it doesn't seem to be as much a part of like the identity, you know, of the country. Not to say that Japan's only known for making video games, but obviously some of the biggest names in gaming in the universe are from Japan. Yeah, uh, but ultimately it doesn't matter where the games are coming from. This is, like you said, a huge number of people who do play video games in China, and it could affect the entire global market uh, if, you know, this kind of thing is... Oh, no, that's a very good point. I'm just saying I think they would be less quick to do this if they would be shooting their own industry in the foot the ramifications though are huge you're right it could have serious ripple effects in terms of and if it starts if they really start stigmatizing gaming you know? well there's also uh there's also a proliferation of unnamed spokespeople if you look at the official statements because i was i first thought this was kind of a onion-esque or parody story when it broke and it was it was earlier in august i think and uh there they really do have unnamed spokesfolk spokesfolk there we go. They do have unnamed spokesfolk saying things like teenagers are the future of our motherland, right? Protecting the physical and mental health of minors is related to the people's vital interest, relates to the cultivation of the younger generation in the era of national rejuvenation. So this, and I'm not saying it's insincere, but I'm saying, does this remind you of any other online surveillance laws that came under the guise of won't someone think of the children? Oh, yeah. Like Sesame credit, you mean? Oh, uh, not just Sesame credit, but uh, surveillance laws in the West, in yeah. Europe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this was, yeah, there was a story that broke in early August, and that's when Tencent and Newsies, or, or well, I can't, NetEase, a couple of these companies lost a ton of their shares, their stock. I think they their stocks fell around 10%. And then there was a lot of discussion about it. That article ended up getting removed. Some of those shares went back up. Then in uh, today is when these all these articles came out, at least in the West. That's when I when I first saw it from The Guardian and Reuters. There's a New York Times piece on it that's really good, too. Oh, nice. I don't pay for that one, <laughs> but you can. Not uh, the same as not reading it. <laughs> yeah, you can. If you right now, wherever you are if, in several places, you can probably get The Guardian or the Reuters article. The Xinhua one is news.cn, and the article came out today, 8.30. You'll, you should be able to find it. I think that's it for now, guys. We can talk more about this later. Maybe we'll cover more of this in the future. But for now, we have to take a break. We'll be right back with more strange news. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. 
Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back with another uh, strange news story. This one, um, we are moving uh, from China over to South America, specifically Argentina, where a very bougie gated development um, called Nordelta is being 
absolutely overrun by uh, capybaras. Capybaras? Capy- I don't know. I, I think it's probably potato, potato. Capybara, capybara. Um, which, if you're not familiar, they are the world's largest rodents. Um, they are massive. They almost have this, like, horse-like slash hippopotamus slash dog kind of look to them. Um, they are massive. They can uh, be up to uh, three feet tall, and they, they are they walk on all fours, so that's pretty tall for someone that's on all fours, and they can weigh as much as 175 pounds. Um, and they are apparently wreaking havoc on uh, some of these, you know, fancy homes in this Nordelta community. Um, and the uh, Nordeltans, or, or you know, whatever you want to call them, the residents there are not too happy about it. Um, and there's more to the story. It's actually than meets the eye. It's really interesting. So Nordelta is actually was built in an area of wetlands on the Luhan River Delta that's right by Buenos Aires. And it's an area that has been under a lot of scrutiny in lots of areas in in this part of the country, a lot lot of scrutiny by uh, environmentalists who are saying, okay, we need to stop, you know, paving paradise and putting up parking lots, you know, or like fancy bougie uh, communities like this. Um, And so that's exactly what this was. This is one of these areas that was being pushed to be protected by the government, but the government is is in fact instead subsidizing this type of construction um, and, you know, paving over these, uh, these areas. And so essentially the capybaras or carpinchos as they're known colloquially in that uh, region are essentially just kind of hanging around the area that they already were living in. Uh, I'm not sure if it's like a how how recent. I mean, I mean, it may maybe just be a story that's kind of popped recently, but um, I'm not sure where they came from or if they were just kind of hanging around in the in the in the woods and now they're just getting bold and coming in, you know, and chewing on people's lawns because this development's been around since I believe uh, 2000, roughly, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but it's an interesting story because they have become essentially like memefied these 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 carpinchos, uh, and they've been turned into this kind of like symbol of class warfare in South America, um, with these developers and you know like politicians kind of not looking out for the best interest of the environment of the people that actually live there, maybe that are a little less fortunate and can't afford to live in a place like North Delta, um, so all these memes kind of have these little guys dressed up in kind of freedom fighter uniforms and like photoshopped onto like the bodies of like Afghani, you know, uh, militants and things like that. Um, it's very, very interesting. Like there's a few, if you go to, uh, if you just type in Carpincho, uh, Nord Delta memes, uh, you should be able to find a ton and they're all in, you know, kind of this Argentinian dialect of Spanish, but, uh, very much worth a look. Um, but I don't know, like this is the kind of thing we see in the United States too. Like even with like historic preservation and areas that are just kind of like Atlanta's really bad about it, um, in terms of bulldozing history, uh, and building things on top of it that are much less important, you know, you could argue to, uh, the identity of a place. And I think it's even more so 
the case with in, environmental stuff where you're actually killing an ecosystem and then getting pissed off that like the things that you displaced are like coming back and pooping on your lawn. Yeah, that's a big issue here. Is there a lot of pooping on lawns? Um, a lot of eating of uh, shrubberies and, you know, topiaries and, you know, gardening and stuff. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Are the Carpinchos just kind of coming back to claim what's theirs? Or are they like an infestation that needs to be dealt with? Uh, capybara are not invasive. They're native to uh, South America. And they've got they've been around for a while. They're, they're super common. You know, the uh, their conservation status is of least concern right which puts them you know around what you would you would consider squirrels or another smaller rodent in your neck of the global woods uh this is there's there's a great guardian piece about this as well the question is really like should they be driven out from this community and and it's already exacerbating of course uh, the ongoing conversation about wealth inequality in argentina and this is this is like a flashpoint. This is the ability to put a face on something, an adorable face, mm-hmm. by the way, objectively speaking, uh, where whereas other people, outsiders, might have been just bored or a little bit sedated by a barrage of statistics and graphs and trends uh, and you know GDP, etc. So I think it's I think it's convenient. Um, I, I also think it's efficacious. I think it's a good thing. To spread awareness, uh, we should mention capybara are not violent creatures at all, and they're huge in Japan. I mean, literally, but also they're very popular. Yeah, there, there, there were some complaints too from residents that the capybaras were biting their dogs. Um, and and there's this ecologist named Enrique Viale who kind of summed up what I was just saying a minute ago, really very succinctly. He says, um, it's the other way around. Nordelta invaded the ecosystem of the Carpinchos. Um, and this is a guy who's been campaigning for 10 years to pass laws to defend these wetlands. There are reasons, actually, functional reasons for preserving these wetlands, other than just like that they're like beautiful and have these kind of diverse environments. It actually can cause problems in other areas. Um, essentially, when you have these wetlands, they can actually act as like buffers uh, against wildfires because they're, you know, wet <laughs> and they keep wildfires from spreading. You mentioned that Guardian piece, Ben, which is fantastic by Uki uh, Goni reporting from Buenos Aires. Uh, and he points out that there's been this huge amount of sprawl that's been happening in in this part of the country, in northern Argentina. These wetlands, specifically ones referred to as the Piranha wetlands, they go from the uh, northern tip of Argentina to the River Plate and then all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. Um, And there are things like there are these soy farmers that have also dispossessed a lot of this land and then, you know, made into like these giant factory farms for like it's called soy mega farming. Mono agriculture, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And it actually can cause... Uh, an uptick in wildfires that can, without this buffer, you know, that literally acts as like a, a safeguard, you know, between these fires and like areas around them. So when you start to get rid of these and these developers that are just kind of doing this stuff very quickly without thinking about the big picture, um, you can have some real problems. And and who does that affect? It affects poorer neighborhoods that either end up getting flooded, you know, during weather events, you know, um, or, you know, their communities can get burned, be victims of these wildfires. So it's uh, ultimately 
kind of an upstairs downstairs kind of situation. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which I think is why the memes have taken such hold because you're right, man. It is putting a face, a very cute face, uh, on a much larger problem that does not necessarily uh, involve the capybaras themselves, but it's just like a bigger uh, issue, a systemic issue that I think needs to be dealt with. But it doesn't necessarily look like it's going to be because it does appear there is also, you know, quite a bit of pocket lining going on in the government and their connection with developers. And, you know, it's not uncommon, especially in this part of the world and in this region of uh, South America. But um, do you guys see any potential for something positive coming out of this? Or is it just like a flash in the pan kind of meme, you know, party that will eventually die? I mean, just speaking for myself, again, raising awareness of what's going on. It's, it's fascinating and it's predictable that people in people outside of the region, people outside of Argentina will tend to be more aware and tend to care about something if the information comes to them in an easily digestible, largely visual form like a meme. Will that result in action? Will that result in uh, substantive conversations about how to, how to address wealth inequality in Argentina? I mean, that's, that's a tough call. I, I, I hope it happens. I think a capybara is a very good mascot for a cause. You know what I mean? Uh, the U.S. has some odd choices for their their uh, political mascots, right? It's still a what a donkey and an elephant. Yeah, right. Last I checked, yeah. And uh, and so why not a capybara? That's what I'm saying. If you if you're listening, uh, this might be this might be a good thing to uh, have as a representative of a party, perhaps. Matt, you've been quiet on this one. What do you think? I've been super quiet because I really like. Capybaras. I feel like I remember reading about them being eaten in some cultures because yeah. they were oh, so yeah. because they were so prevalent. They just existed mm-hmm. everywhere, and mm-hmm. uh, like many rodents, they proliferate, and then you can eat them because there's so many. Yeah, they can also eat their own feces as a source of nu- nutrition, or sorry, gut flora. That's a cool uh, superpower. It's a weird one. It's it's a gift and a curse, you know. Heavy weighs the head. Leaving uh, but, leaving lunch for somebody else. It's a right. good way to think about it. <laughs> I think their um their fur is also used, but it's it's like uh, any other animal. It's not universally accepted as a a good source of nutrition. Mm. Not by not by everybody is is my understanding at least. Got you. That aside, Noel. Um. I don't know. It's really what you guys are talking about. That's what, sorry, that's why I've been quiet because I agree with a lot of the points that are being made here. If you can put a cute face to anything, to any cause, or a face that's memorable or an image that's striking, much like just the stoic look of a capybara as it's looking out into the distance. That's a good point. um, You're going to get people to get on board with that thing. So it reminds me of a story Ben and I did on Ridiculous History once about this gorilla in Johannesburg that escaped from, or I'm sorry, a criminal was running away from cops and he fell into this uh, gorilla pit in the zoo and the gorilla like, uh, you know, held him down until the cops got there and it was during apartheid. So the gorilla, I can't remember the gorilla's name, but became this kind of Max became the symbol of like, you know, uh, rule of law, you know what I mean? And kind of like almost became this 
like Batman-esque gorilla figure. Um, this is obviously not just one capybara. This is many of them. Uh, and there's so, again, these memes are great. Like there's one where it's like a bunch, just showing how many they are, how, how many there are. And there's just like a bunch of capybara just kind of lazing around. There's a cute little fat boys. Um, but th- it's saying like capybara is practicing social distancing because <laughs> they're like six feet away from each other roughly. It's really cute. But um, yeah, check it out, especially if you uh, read Spanish. And if you can't, Google Translate was doing a pretty fine job on these. Yeah, and I would recommend the website Perfil. Uh, I think that's how you say it. P-E-R-F-I-L dot com. There's some pretty good reporting about the wetlands conservation efforts. You can check that uh, out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So maybe let's do a little bit of positivity and some eye bleach. So positivity. <laughs> uh, one thing that could come out of this is if the if the capybara population becomes livestock, if they're farmed, then that would ensure that the wetland habitats are protected. Is there an enterprising member of this community who's already well-to-do is like, I'll get some good PR and get in the capybara business? Possibly, but the more wetlands you can save, the fewer wildfires you will have. Mm. So I think that's, I think that's an important aspect. Um, for eye bleach, if you want you're a person who enjoys kind of serene, peaceful things, then why not check out the multiple YouTube clips of capybara in Japan? Uh, they're soaking in hot springs, and they look very much at peace. It, ser- it looks like a cartoon. It looks like it's from Studio Ghibli. You'll feel a little bit better about what's going on, about whatever's going on, honestly. That's amazing. Um, I, I completely agree, Ben. They are adorable images. Um, but uh, for now, uh, while y'all are checking those out, we're going to pop to a quick break for a word from our sponsor, and then we'll be back with one more strange news. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. 
Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We have returned. Uh, Doc Noel Matt, I, I just sent a brief video of a capybara uh, taking a soak at a Tokyo Zoo, and uh, maybe maybe that'll get us through the next really weird conversation we're about to have. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Ben. I'm gonna have a tab open with capybara pictures now as we do this whole segment because I cannot take my eyes away from these adorable little dudes. How did they happen? Do you ever see an animal and you just think, how, how did that happen? Most of us have a passing knowledge of evolution, right? For the, for the first time ever, quite recently here in the United States, uh, the majority of people agreed with the concept of evolution. Did you hear about that? That was a recent poll. No, that's great. People are on board with evolution mainly. Yep. Yep. It, Great. Uh, How long did that it, take? <laughs> uh, I draw your attention to an article from just yesterday on Science Alert, which is a great website. Uh, more Americans are finally coming around to accepting the science of evolution. I, I guess all those little uh, little edits they made in textbooks didn't keep, didn't stick, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I think the first time it became a majority was in 2016, so more recent than a lot of people would maybe like to admit. Uh, Now we are in a situation where evolution, as weird as it may seem, you know, you see a platypus, that's the most famous example. You see a giraffe and you're like, wow, that's a very specific flex, right? How did that happen? And then you see things like a capybara and you're thinking, 
Do they not have predators? Right. Do they live in a Disney Pixar environment? That neck to body ratio is way off. It's just it shouldn't shouldn't be. Yeah. Oh, for a giraffe? No, no, for a capybara. I mean, oh, yeah. they're, they're, it's like it's like their head. It feels like it's it would be hard for it to hold it up. It's so big and it has such little neck. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just a very, very weird, stumpy creature. And I don't understand what it's for. I feel weird saying it and not to not to shame them, but they don't look like they can run. No. Or I bet if they try, it's real cute, though. I know. I know. It's like you you would want to sit there and go, ah, you can do it on your own. Oh, shucks, little buddy. Fast forward. Third act of the Pixar. This capybara has just won the Animal Olympics. Exactly. So, so the thing is, capybara aren't the only animals that have evolved. They're not the only animals that will evolve, right, on, on this planet. No matter what happens with the current season of life on Earth, which is heavy on humans, human beings are evolving as well. If you are listening to this, I would like you to pay very close attention to your arm. Let's do let's do a little bit of a thought exercise, folks listening along, playing along at home. So if you can, close your eyes and just imagine feeling your arms in space. If you want to hold them up so that your elbows are parallel with your shoulder, right? Kind of <sighs> like you're making a, a touchdown or pulling a widow's son, then you <laughs> will you'll be able to, if you have your eyes closed and really think about it. You'll be able to feel the movement of your digits in your hands. You may be able to feel your pulse in your arms. I don't like this, Ben. I don't like this. (laughs) Okay, okay. It it trips me out, Ben, because I know where we're going with this. And there's a reason they call it gross anatomy. Yeah. Because I, <laughs> yeah. I I could feel everything that we're about to talk about, and it's like a it's like we're doing a comedy, and I know the jokes that you're about to tell. Yeah. And, and yeah. instead of happy and laughter, I've got like tingly sensation and weird feelings in my arms as you're doing all of this. One hundred. So this is the thing: you may be feeling something different from uh, your friends, uh, maybe even from your family members. There's a little less of a probability of that. And uh, if you are an older person, then odds are you are definitely feeling something different than a very young person because, I bury the lead here a little bit, human beings are evolving. The most recent proven thing is really weird. Uh, We're growing extra arteries in our forearms. Why? Uh, Seems to be the answer. But it's something called the persistent median artery of the forearm. If you still have your arms up, I appreciate the commitment. You can put them down. That's it. And, and but your arms will have a. Um, you have what's called an accessory artery in your ulnar artery in your proximal forearm, and this is something that usually, like, it happens while you are gestating, right? And it usually, typically, regresses about eight weeks into gestation. But what people have found is that this is staying around now. It's supposed to be temporary, and it's not vanishing anymore. The University of Adelaide in Australia, along with uh, some help from researchers at Flinders University, found that more and more and more and more adults have an extra channel, an extra artery. People have been studying this since the 1700s. 
and no one no one is sure why this is happening, but about 10% of people in the 1880s or so kept this artery. And now it's up to 30%, which is a clear trend. It's statistically significant. It means that humanity has been able to point to another thing that proves it's a work in progress overall, which is which is bizarre because it'd be, you know, it'd be like um it would somehow make more sense if our eyes were just evolving to be bigger. And then, you know, people could say, oh, the aliens that are visiting folks are humans from the future, etc. But what do you guys think about this? What does this make you think of? Did this surprise you? Well, I've always thought that it was kind of silly to think that we would stop evolving. Like if we reached our our final form, you know, like, I mean, it just seems that we, the timeline of our lives and our lifetime on this earth, and even as a species is so tiny compared to like the whole of evolution that's led to this point. I just feel like it's inevitable that we will continue. And maybe we'll just see little snippets of it. Like you would in the long process that is evolution of another type of species over time. You wouldn't clock it overnight. You'd just see one little change that led to another little change that then became, you know, important enough to stick around. You know, I don't know. That's just how I, what I've always thought. Ben, I'm feeling like the guy at a big party and it's the first time he's done mushrooms or something. This makes me feel very trippy. Like anytime we, we talk anatomy, anytime we talk about what's inside of our meat bodies um, and how they function it weirds me out. And to think that somehow over time, the instructions that are inside all of us just, just tiny, like make these tiny, tiny little changes. And, you know, we breed enough times with, uh, with someone that has, as humans, we breed enough times with enough of these changes, then they take hold. It is weird to think that this thing that may, may be what it may be better for, dexterity in your hands, right? If you've got a little more blood flow, something like that. Um, but it could also lead to terrible things like uh, problems with your wrists, right? Or your joints. If you, yeah. if you got that. So like, I'm trying to imagine what would be the, what would be the reason that this thing would be successful as a mutation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So this is, and I've tricked this a little bit because this is news for evolution. And news on an evolutionary scale is not quite news of the day, <laughs> but I've got some cool news of the day to make up for okay, it as okay. we close. Um, the same way, like geological time is not really clock time. Yes, the Yellowstone caldera is about to blow, but about means does not mean Thursday. <laughs> and so, uh, so here's the idea: the researchers, based on their work published in the Journal of Anatomy back in 2020 or so. Uh, they imagine that having this persistent median artery could give you uh, more of a boost of blood supply, making your fingers possibly more dexterous, uh, giving you a little extra oomph in your forearms, while at the same time putting you at a higher risk of carpal tunnel syndrome. Mm. Oh. So, so there's a cost-benefit, cost like you said, just like uh, some people who have evolved to be more resistant to malaria may also suffer from sickle cell anemia. Jeez. Jeez. I really hope that I have them just uh, for my, I don't know, drumming needs. <laughs> ben, did you, did you say there was a number, a percentage of, of, of how often this is happening that's higher than it used to be or something like that? Or how often yeah. this is making it out of the womb or out of the gestation period? Mm -hmm. Yep. There was a 10% chance 
for adults to have this mutant artery, which we're just calling it for the clickbaity nature of it, uh, back in the 1880s. And now it's about 30% and seems to be rising. So uh, if you're listening, you have children right now, then this is not a certitude, but the odds are that they they are going to be more likely to have this remaining in adulthood. But, Mm. But again, I mean, from the 1880s to the present day is only just like a blip on what we would look at, like as an, as an evolutionary timeline. I mean, most uh, you know the evolution of certain species and, and these mutations that end up sticking because of changes in the environment or whatever. I mean, those can take thousands of years. Well, that's why we're we're not talking about a giraffe-like neck that we're all developing. Uh, we're talking about a fairly tiny piece of. Uh, tissue right i mean that's really what it is and Uh, it's not a new thing it's just sticking around longer like the mm -hmm. ability to digest uh dairy into adulthood that is that is largely a juvenile trait for many organisms you know um at least the the milk drinking ones i don't know why that sounded weird to say that but (laughs) milk drinkers the milk drinkers (laughs) but let me let me hit you with one more here another example oh and by the way, for anyone who isn't aware of what we're talking about, the ability to digest lactose dairy products into adulthood is a mutation. And we know it's a mutation because not every member of the human species has it. Uh, it's it's weird. It's catching on. But then also blue eyes were a mutation, probably from like one person in Estonia. What's their story about? I'm just going to hit you all with this. Uh, the extra blood vessel you may have is not the only thing you may be getting a new knee bone, a very old knee bone. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, check the, check the Zoom chat. There's a knee bone called the fabella, and it used to be really rare in human beings, but as of 2019, it turned out that it is three times more common than it was just 100 years ago. So, Noel, you brought up an excellent point. Evolution happens slowly, right? At least in the way a human being would think of it on an individual scale. So why does this stuff seem to be increasing so, so very quickly? Uh, The first answer is probably we're paying more attention to it and we're noticing more things. You know, those studies back in the 1880s maybe weren't as comprehensive. Uh, So maybe, maybe you had that extra blood vessel all along. I don't know what to do with this other than to be amazed. It's not really a conspiracy except uh, whether you think there might be some people still today attempting to guide evolution in one way or another. Well, this is probably just like stoner talk. Or yeah, like no, let's do it. Late, late night bar talk kind of stuff. But I've always wondered if like the, the way our brains are used now differently than the way they were used because of things like, you know, smartphones and the internet and parts of our brains maybe were once devoted to like remembering people's phone numbers or, you know, certain things that we now have like assists with all of this technology that we don't need to anymore. Do you think that part of our brain gets like repurposed for other stuff that makes us smarter or is it a balancing act because we're also uh, dumbing ourselves down by just like, you know, reading tweets and like looking at internet clickbait trash all the time. Like, I just wonder like if, if there's, parts of our brains that are maybe it just shifts but is that a form of evolution that can actually be influenced by technology yeah that's a really interesting question one good way to look at this would be through analogy so what what we're seeing now 
and what we're able to measure now would be uh, individual changes that may follow similar patterns. Like we know to the earlier story about video game addiction, that this video game environment can alter structural aspects of an individual's brain. But the question of whether or not those changes are heritable, or inheritable, meaning like, you know, your kid would be way better at Tetris than you because you put in the time or something like that. That's, that's not quite the same thing to do that. We'd have to understand that we'd have to understand a lot more about epigenetics, mm -hmm. which uh, simply is not there. What we do know is that experts largely agree. If you go back 300,000 years ago in time and you ran into early homo sapiens, you would see their brain size was already pretty much the same as your friends and fellows here in 2021. But uh, with that being said, here's the analogy that I think works. So let's say you, for some reason, you're born, you're normal, and you decide that you don't want to use your left arm ever. You use everything else but your left arm. Increasingly, your left arm will atrophy. And let's say you meet someone and you get together, and you fall in love or don't, but you have a kid is the point. That kid's not going to have an atrophied left arm because of your actions. That kid will overwhelmingly likely, without some intervening variable, they'll have the ability to use both arms. So what happens to your individual haunted house? Because I believe human beings are just ghosts haunting their own houses. Like what, whatever happens to your house is not going to affect the next house in that way. And we still have a lot to learn about it. And maybe now we'll be able to learn a little bit faster because maybe we can all type a little bit faster. I don't know. That's what sweet. is that? But I think yeah. you got into a nature versus nurture thing with that. Ben, a little bit. Yeah. Because if that kid grows up hanging out with the parent who never uses their left arm, maybe they start going, oh, I kind of want to be like my parent. Maybe I don't use my left arm. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Nature versus nurture. Absolutely. But it's also like, you know, I mean, the idea of good genes or like, you know, your dad was a really great basketball player. Therefore, you automatically are built to be a really great basketball player. But that would only work, I think, if you put in the work. And I think nurture has a lot to do with that, too. If you're you are aspiring to be this thing, maybe you have some natural ability. But was that developed from like, you know, generations that then like the somehow I mean, that's what epigenetics is, right? It's the idea of like, you know, changes in the expression of genes, I think, without affecting like the the overall DNA sequence. But it's mm -hmm. the idea of heritable traits that could be things like, you know, ability related, right? Yeah, there, there's a lot of really fascinating stuff on, on epigenetics. And it is important. It is very important to understand this fully. Uh, it's probably more than we have time to go into today, but we would love to hear your thoughts. Why do you think people seem to be evolving this quote unquote extra artery? Do you get a weird knee bone? Tell us about it. Uh, wh what's your position on evolution and what, if any, role is modern technology playing? People are definitely outsourcing functions of their brains increasingly to electronic devices, uh, which, which makes sense. It's approaching a cybernetic future. You know what I mean? The marriage of meat and machine, if you wanted to wax poetic. But that's a story for another day. We do hope you tune in to check it out. Uh, just to finish with our news roundup, 
Uh, CBS has reported that UFOs are regularly spotted in restricted U.S. airspace. Cool. Nobody panic. Uh, The U.S. is getting removed from the European Union's safe travel list. So check that twice before you get your vacation tickets. And Hurricane Ida has reversed the flow of the Mississippi River officially, which we, we didn't mention earlier. That happened just about three hours ago before we went into recording. So our thoughts are with everybody uh, who is in the area and make sure your loved ones are safe. It's really interesting. I think there must be a phenomenon that happens regularly with this kind of uh, category of hurricane because there is a documentary uh, around um, Hurricane Katrina called Put the River in Reverse. So I think that must be a reference to that. Must be a thing that happens. I've never heard. I didn't ever think about that. What isn't common is how quickly this thing ramped up. You can read stories about that right now, about how much more dangerous this this tropical storm slash group of thunderstorms became a hurricane than ramped way up to a, a category four so fast. And it was just five miles under being a cat five for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, uh, one more argument against people wearing masks, uh, the Famous or infamous televangelist Jim Baker has complained that God cannot hear your prayers if you are wearing a mask. Oh, because it's too muffled. I guess so. Your prayers are too muffled. Well, I'm not an expert. I, I didn't know he had to actually hear with like ears. There's a lot of a lot of assumptions being made here. Mm-hmm. God has ears uh, and is listening. Presumably mm-hmm. with some sort of high-powered listening device from so, so far away, you'd think the mask wouldn't really be a concern. Yeah, not high-powered enough, apparently. But uh, let, us, let, us know, uh, let us know your thoughts on what we shared today. We are going to have a full episode on video game addiction. Uh, it is worthwhile. It's important. It might hit close to home. For us, uh, we are also keeping a close eye on the developments, not just in Afghanistan, but around the world. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts on Capybara and Argentina. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts on the idea of humans evolving. And above all, uh, please be well, uh, stay safe, and don't hesitate to reach out to us with strange news of your own. We can't wait to hear you. And also, we did an episode on prosperity theology, right? Oh, Did yeah. you do that? Creflo yeah. Dollar, make you holler uh, so that he can finance his, uh, what is it, gold-plated jet? Jet. Ah, oh, so clever. I drove gonna... by his church the other day. Really? Is it still open? It was big. Is it still mega? That's all I know. It was very mega. <laughs> Highly mega. Got it. So let us know all this and more. Uh, as we said, uh, we look forward to hearing from you, and we try to be easy to find, not just online, but on phones. You know, pull a candy man, say our names in the dark, in a mirror, etc. Yeah, you can do that. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that one. That one gets real spooky. Um, I'm excited to see the new Candyman, by the way. It's getting really good reviews. And I revisited the old one. Um, didn't think it held up super great, but uh, still some spooky bits, but very much a victim of uh, the 90s kind of schlocky, you know, acting and stuff. But uh, the new one, obviously, we're all huge fans of Jordan Peele. And I think we're uh, probably all pretty excited to see it. But um, short of Candymanning us uh, into being, you can find us on the 
the internet where we are conspiracy stuff on uh, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Conspiracy stuff show on Instagram. That's right. And we do have a phone number. So just flip open your phone uh, and type in 1-833-STDWYTK and uh, leave yourself a really cool nickname. Tell us whatever you want to tell us. You've got three minutes. Just just go wild with it. And we love to laugh, especially lately. Or really just getting weird. And once you've time traveled back from the 1990s with your flip phone, um, <laughs> you can also send us a good old-fashioned email with your computer. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.